Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome into episode number 88 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by EverFi. My guest on the show today is a fellow executive leadership coach, consultant, and so forth. Her name is Beth Napleton. She is the founder of Beth Napleton Consulting. Beth offers senior leaders in education and at other mission-driven organizations, a clear path to excellence through individual, executive, and group coaching experiences. What I love about Beth, and she said this so well that, honestly, folks, I had to put it in the title of the show, Beth is all about helping clear out the adult problems that get in the way of student success. Beth is just doing some amazing work out there. She's also a certified Clifton uh, Gallup Strengths Coach. And Beth and I had a really amazing conversation recently about working through those adult problems and actually repairing them at the break. It's a fantastic conversation, and you're going to hear it right on the other side of these messages. Hey, leaders, today's podcast is sponsored by EverFi. EverFi provides districts, schools, and teachers with free digital resources to teach essential life skills like character development and financial education. That's right. I said free. EverFi partners with organizations like the United Way to give teachers hundreds of turnkey, standards-aligned lessons and 24-7 support. District and school administrators are supported with a suite of services like professional development and data reporting, all at no cost. Learn more at everfi.com slash edleaders. That's E-V-E-R-F-I dot com slash edleaders. Hey, Education Heroes, this is Kyle Hill, founder of the Recharged Family and host of the Exhausted Educators Recharged Podcast. I want to tell you about something amazing that's happening this summer called the Recharged Family Back to School Virtual Bash. Our Recharged Family team is working to put together over 50 workshops provided by educational leaders from across multiple continents. The idea here is that we're all working together to help you and educators everywhere get ready for the new school year. And an amazing feature of all this is it's all going to be video recorded workshops. You can watch them all year long. Registration opens up on July 1st. And as long as you register before August 1st, you'll get everything for 10 bucks. You can register at rechargefamily.com. That's rechargefamily.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. So the most effective leaders are going to be those who can identify their strengths, but more importantly, understand their deficits and surround themselves with people who can complement those. That's one of the things we're going to talk about today on the Leading into Leadership podcast with my guest, Beth Napleton. Beth, welcome into the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Um, obviously, you, know, you and I got a chance to talk, I don't know, maybe six weeks six weeks ago or something along those lines. And um, Really enjoyed that conversation, so I know this one will be really good with the record button pushed. So uh, before we dive in, uh, Beth, just really quick for my listening audience who maybe don't know who you are, give them a, a really quick 30-second, this is who Beth Napleton is. Sure. 
Absolutely. So I am a leadership coach and consultant, and I work with senior leaders in mission-driven organizations like schools and districts to uh, help solve the adult problems that get in the way of students thriving. So as a classroom teacher for many years, I founded a charter school on the far south side of Chicago before going full-time onto my own. And now I work with leaders all over the country in all types of schools to help them lead more effectively. I love that. So, you know, obviously, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the South Side. So for for my people who, you know, are both familiar with Chicago and are mm-hmm. Chicago sports fans, are, are you a Cubs fan or are you a White Sox fan? <laughs> well, I've got a daughter who's a very strong Sox fan and my South Side roots would say that. But I do what my dad says. I go wherever there are free tickets. So if you have free tickets ah. for me, I will go to your baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer right there. I love it. There you go. That's perfect. I love it. Love it. Okay, so so let's let's do this. Um, uh, let let's maybe uh, unpack a couple of things from what you talked about. I definitely want to get into the leadership coaching thing. Obviously, you know that's that's something that I do as well. So the more we can talk about that and really support leaders, the better. But but I want to jump back to you talked about being a classroom teacher. Let's let's just really quick. Um, what what were you were you at an elementary level? Were you a secondary level? Did you have subject space? Uh, what what yeah, was your focus? Yeah, I well, I and like many teachers, I did it all over the course of my career. So I have done everything from pre K um, through junior year of high school. I mostly was a middle grade, so I mostly was a fifth through eighth grade language arts and history teacher. A little bit of PE and film studies thrown in. Um, but I started my career in elementary school in New York City, and then I worked in a charter school in rural North Carolina. I'm helping grow middle school there before I founded my small charter network, which started with middle grades and then grew through 12th grade. So you I really have done old. it all. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm learning my own deficits. I've got two second graders now and I never did second grade. And some of this, I'm like, what? <laughs> so the second grade is, sure. yeah, it's, that's, a, that's an interesting time right there without question. So, so how does, how does someone who, who taught in middle grades um, end up starting a charter school? How did how did yeah. that come about? Yeah, great question. So I had um, the school I taught at in rural North Carolina, which was the second school I taught at, which was a charter school, and this is like back in two thousand and two. So like there there weren't charters weren't widespread. There weren't a lot of them. Um, it was you know at least very new to me, and so it was really powerful because. I actually worked with the same group of kids in fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So they were the pride of 2011 because that was the year they were going to college. So this is, you know, imagine in 2002 or three, we started our journey together. And, um, or actually, no, maybe 2004 or five. Anyway, uh, I'm getting older. It's hard to kind of keep track, but they were in (laughs) fifth grade. We all have that. (laughs) Literally, I, I saw one who was visiting me who's now a dean at a law school. I mean, it's wild, right? Like I met her oh, as a wow. fifth grader. <laughs> so it's been pretty neat. Yeah. But that really helped me see just the power of when you have a great teacher in every class on the grade level. And then when that happens, grade level after grade level. And so I really thought um, this is something I love. And I truthfully would be at that school until this day. But it was in a town of a thousand people. And I'm kind of a city person. So at some point, I felt like, okay, this isn't I love the school and I want to live someplace where I can get sushi for dinner. <laughs> so how do I yeah. do both those things? And that kind of started, you know, my dad used to say all the time, there are plenty of kids in Chicago who need you. And that's, you know, where I'm from. So kind of circuitously led me. Um, I, I was in North Carolina and actually I came to a school that looked very similar in Chicago in terms of the mission, 
But what I learned very quickly is that uh, the principal had a very different leadership style. And even though the words on paper were similar about college for all students, the methods of getting there, I really disagreed with. And, and truthfully, she just wasn't super great at motivating and managing adults. And I really realized that I, at that time, had been in three different schools and I saw three very different styles. And I saw some really good examples of what to do and a lot of examples of what not to do. And I just realized that I had so many friends leaving the profession, so many valued colleagues, because um, they weren't being led or managed well. And in some ways it makes sense. Like, I, you know, there are principals who are great classroom teachers, right? They get, you know, elevated and move up. And leading adults is a totally different ballgame than teaching students. There are 100%. So but I mean, it's like, you know, you train to be a Olympic diver on the one meter, you know, springboard, and then you're on the 10 meter platform. It's like, this is a different sport, right? Like, right. so I was like, I need to learn about management, leading adults effectively, leading teams, um, if I want to be in education. So I took a few years to then go work um, at the Teach for America Training Institute. So I ran their summer school in Los Angeles, trained 650 teachers who taught thousands of kids each summer. So I did that for a couple summers to help me build my management muscles before ultimately going to start a school. That's that's awesome. I, I love that. So um, I, I want to go back to something that, that you were alluding to, and I think it'll take us uh, down, down the coaching road here. But um, there is a massive difference in the skill set between being a school leader and being a classroom teacher. Classroom teachers are leaders. Don't misunderstand what I'm Absolutely. saying. I'm not Absolutely. saying that, that teachers aren't leaders. What I'm saying is the skill set that is required to mm-hmm. to manage a classroom, to lead a classroom, to deliver quality instruction, to to ensure quality learning is very different than the skill set necessary to lead adults, to you know, to develop a vision, to get people all mm-hmm. you know believing and living that vision you know managing adults managing adult behaviors there's so many pieces there so that i want to talk about that just a little bit more because mm-hmm. so many of the folks that that i work with as a leadership coach that's the big struggle is mm-hmm. you know yep i've elevated into this role because i did a great job in the classroom somebody tapped me on the shoulder mm-hmm. said hey you should go into leadership here i am but how do I grow this skill set? So let, let's talk about that a little bit. How how do you support others in growing growing those those skills or, or those management muscles as you just you just kind of referred yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. How do you do that? It, well, great question. And I I think that you know um, there's a kind of two hats I think about it. Um, one is. Uh, individual, right? Where it's like any coaching relationship, right? You develop a relationship, you, you know, do some, gather some data, people figure out where they want to go, you build a trust, uh, the environment of trust that you're able to kind of push and, and think about this. But honestly, and that can be helpful, but it's a little bit like um, the wall is leaking and you're putting your finger in it, right? You're just like trying to do the one thing and hope right. that everything goes okay. And so one of the things I'll do kind of with my consultant hat often is help, because what I find is like, there are not necessarily um, structured opportunities for people to gradually get those skill set, right? You kind of start drinking from a fire hose and you just hope it doesn't knock you over. And so what I will work with schools on is, you know, there is a staircase of different opportunities and you can, you know, work on some of these muscles, getting someone aligned on the same vision um, from the perspective of a department chair or a grade level chair, right? You can do it as an instructional coach. You can do it leading PD and workshops. And so 
a lot of places uh, in education, particularly, it's like, well, learn by doing, you'll kind of throw you into the fire, you'll figure it out. And a lot of people do well with that. Probably a lot of people listening do. Right. And a lot of people don't. And they're like, see, ya, I'm going to go work in ed tech, right? I'm going to go do travel the world. And so what I work with schools on is, look, how do we think about developing and setting up a leadership program? What are the milestones? What are the benchmarks? What are the skills you need so that you have an intentional process to help your folks develop internally so that by the time somebody is, you have an assistant principal opening, you know that your department chairs or your instructional coaches are ready for it because you've articulated what it requires to be an instructional coach. You've articulated what it requires to be an AP. You know where the new material would be and you know what they've already mastered from their other at-bats with it. So I think that there just is so much, you know, of the, you know, and the other thing, when you're a great classroom teacher, you're in your classroom, you're doing great. I remember one time my principal, Caleb, came to me when I was in North Carolina and he, like his hair was sticking up all over. He was like, what was going on in the building this afternoon? And I was like, what are you talking about? We did this like great Socratic seminar on this text. And, yeah. you know, cause I was in my room and I could shut the door and I had a lot of control over this. And then all of a sudden, you're leading um, a wing of a school, you're leading the building and you know, your good day, it, your day is only as good as the worst thing that happens in your building. And there are a lot of worse things that can happen in your building when there's 20, 30, 50 teachers, right? And so, right. And, and hundreds of kids. And so how do you help people start to gain that perspective, start to think about where their levers of influence are, stay regulated themselves to be able to work with folks and also just transfer some of those skills that might be similar as a teacher, right? Motivating, influencing others, but they look a little bit different with adults. Whether you're selecting resources and curriculum mapping, or you're organizing PD days and analyzing data, administrators, you have a lot on your plate. So why not lighten the load by working with EverFi? It costs you nothing, really. EverFi provides 100% free essential skills resources and services to over 11,000 school districts, thanks to partners like the NFL and the United Way. Their standards-aligned resources focus on things like college and career readiness, character development, financial literacy, health, wellness, and other pivotal topics for long-term student success. Check out the free digital resources yourself at everfi.com edleaders. In addition to hundreds of free lessons, EverFi provides school leaders with a dedicated team who will align EverFi's resources to your curriculum maps, create tailored learning sessions for your next PD day, integrate EverFi's free platform with ClassLink and Clever, and provide you with regular data reporting and 24-7 support, all at no cost. Man, I wish I had known about EverFi when I was a school leader. Go to everfi.com slash edleaders to see why admin and teachers love partnering with EverFi. Then schedule a meeting to bring EverFi's free resources and support to your district. That's E-V-E-R-F-I dot com slash edleaders. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, and, and kind of kind of where you're going there too, though, is is helping them. Um, I, I love how you said it. You know, understanding where their levers of influence are, because so often, I think early career leaders, you know, they they get into the role, and unless they've had some really good experience leading them to that role. They're really not sure, you know, what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, mm-hmm. I've set up my office. You know, I've got I've got a plant <laughs> in my office. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got my keys on a lanyard. I'm ready. Uh-huh. What do I? But what uh-huh. do I? But now, what do I do? Right? And right. and it's it's like they wait around for the fire, you know, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a total firefighter. I'm sitting here at the fire station waiting for what's going to come next. And 
that's just being so very reactive. And honestly, that's how I was. I think my first year as a principal, I, mm-hmm. you talk about drinking from the fire hose. I was just, I was 40 feet underwater. You know, mm-hmm. not, the mm-hmm. snorkel did not reach to the, reach to, <laughs> to the air. I had to have the scuba gear on. I was, I was so far underwater. And I just, I think that happens so often with those early career leaders who just, they, they don't understand how to get to utilizing their levers of influence because they're just mm-hmm. so focused on, I've got to solve everybody's problems. I got to put out all the fires. How, how do you get people is, into that? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, everyone is coming to you too, right? I mean, I do think that right. there are some positions in this world where, you know, it's like if somebody's in the store, it's like, I want to see the manager, right? I mean, they might not know if this store or store at the mall, does the manager have any influence? Is the manager in charge of this? They don't know, but they want to see the manager. It is at a school Everybody wants to see the principal. It doesn't matter if it is a tardy, an absence, a reason, if it's really in the athletic director's department. And, and I think that can be really overwhelming because you're sitting there and people are coming to you with fires. And I think that yeah. one of the things that people start to look around and say, and often where I'll work with people um, in some of my coaching work too, and in the consulting as well, say, okay, like, let's look around at all this stuff. Like, what's yours? What's your APs? What's your operations person? Do you... Do you, you know, where are the decision-making rights? Let's get clear on where the roles are, right? What about your math department chair, right? If, if the school is picking a new curriculum, do you want a voice in that, right? And, and your math, you know, well, my math department, already, they went ahead and picked it. Well, how do you walk that back and say, actually, no, I'm the instructional leader of the school? Or actually, no, you are the instructional decision-maker. I mean, I think the answer can be different in every school and every community. But what I often find is that leaders just don't know. And so a lot of times our work is about what do I believe? What do I think? And because we're in a, you know, the sacred space of the coaching room where it is private and it is, you know, you can be no filter and you can say what you mean and you can wonder things without worrying about if your, you know, competence will be called into question. People are able to kind of puzzle that out. Here is, I've been working with a leader, Jeremy, at a school in Durham, uh, North Carolina. And we just finished up six months together or about to start another six months of work doing what I call coach salting. So it's kind of part coaching, part consulting. And uh, so that means I take on some of the to-dos at the end of the session. If it's coaching, they take on all the to-dos, right? So it's kind of a blend, but I'll help um, build roles and responsibilities. I'll help create team retreat agendas and things like that because we all know that time is such a huge issue, right? And so how do you create more time for these busy leaders? And one of the things that we just worked, we worked on for, you know, from October through March was what do I really believe? And it was really exciting to see him realize, like, look, I care a lot about instruction. And there's kind of this word on the street about me that I'm a culture guy because I was a dean of students before this. But I care about kids learning and I care about kids having access to rigorous materials and I care about kids being supported. And I think this is all really connected to culture. And by the way, I don't really care that much about operations. I've got a great operations person and she can run that show so that I can spend my time in instruction and culture. So I think it's been really, I've gotten a few emails like from his boss, the executive director, and from some of his colleagues saying like, I just see such clarity, such purpose. And I think that I'm so glad that he invested in giving himself the time and space to start to figure this out, right? Because it is so, there's never a time in the firehouse where it is, you know, just sit and think. <laughs> but in some yeah, ways, if I've right. got a Zoom call or if I've got a phone call, it's going to build in that time to think that I so desperately need as a leader, right? Because no one's ever coming yeah. on your schedule and saying, and now is your contemplation time, <laughs> right? That might right. be your commute home, maybe, if you're not calling parents and, you know, making sure that things are right. arranged and picking up dinner. 
Right. Well, th- that's that's really a good point too. But but and even though you say it tongue in cheek, those are the types of things that people. Are the really good leaders are putting time on their calendar for, you know, yes. whether it's for professional reading or it is for some reflection yes. time. And I, I talk to listeners of the podcast know this. I talk all the time about, you know, that balcony level leadership. Let's go check yes. in on ourselves. You know, how are we doing here, here and here? Those yes. types of things. And the more intentional leaders are about that kind of stuff, the more successful they'll be. And they'll actually yeah. be able to, you know, actually move from being that firefighter to being the leader. And and the truth is this, some of that, some of that getting stuck in the firefighter mode, especially, you know, early in the career, it kind of feels good. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm, I'm being effective. Mm-hmm. I'm solving people's problems. Mm-hmm. But at a point, really good leaders start to understand, Hey, what I really should be doing is empowering people to solve their own problems. And mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. I can start mm-hmm. to get to the stuff that really, truly matters. I love how you talked about, you know, uh, about uh, the one you're working with being able to just delegate operations. Hey, I don't like that stuff. It's not my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. You're good mm-hmm. at this. You take that. And so so that kind of takes me a little bit into um, you and I were talking before we hit the record button about uh, identifying our strengths. And mm-hmm. I know you are, are you're certified in the uh, Clifton Strengths Finder uh, and some of those types of things. Let, let's talk a little bit about how uh, one. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Strengths Finder, but two. Then let's talk a little bit about how how do leaders or what should leaders do to best align themselves with people who who complement their deficits with their own strengths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot there and there's so much good stuff to dig into. So for listeners who don't know, the Clifton Clifton Gallup Strengths Assessment, I think I'm getting that name right, but I might have gotten a few of those uh, proper nouns mixed up, um, is from the Gallup Corporation, which you probably heard of from surveys and opinion polls and presidential approval ratings. But they basically have been working, they started doing some research in the 50s about kind of uh, uh, you know, our nature, nurture, are you born with these things or were they developed? And what's really great about this is they've taken the resources of this large corporation and they've drilled it down into an assessment. And I know you've taken it, I've taken it multiple times in our career, and it can tell you what comes to you with ease, excellence, and enjoyment, right? And so I think that as human beings, we are hardwired to focus on our deficits. We just are, right? It's like how we survived saber-toothed tigers, right? <laughs> Is that like, you know, <laughs> we were able to see the deficits and run. It, we would not be here evolutionarily if we had been like, what a cute tiger, let me give it a hug, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> right. there's a good reason for it. it. It's not you, you are human. You're hardwired for this. Um, and what their belief is, is that when we number one, know our strengths and we can, and they give you a full report and it has lots of definitions and there are books, you know, a whole series of books that are really helpful. But when you do an assessment like this assessment or any other, and you know, you have some common language, you can do some reading about what this means, about where your blind spots, you start to know yourself better. And their belief is, look, we all have limited time and energy. You have X number of hours you can put into your development. You could put into areas that are weaknesses for you or deficits and you'll improve but you'll hit a ceiling. And if you take that same number of hours and put them into your strengths, like the sky is the limit, right? And so why not lean into ease, excellence, and enjoyment? And so when you think about um, one of the things I work when I do strengths coaching with clients is we know your strengths. And then now let's think about your challenges. So if your challenge is, um, 
you know, working, uh, getting parent buy-in in your community, you are going to approach it differently if you have influencing strengths as opposed to strategic strengths or executing strengths. And so, and, and those are the broad domains. They're not the specific strengths that the report goes into. But I think that it is about, look, you could have five principles, all five of them need help with parent buy-in. They might approach it five different ways and it's totally fine because it's about getting to the right outcomes and results. The important thing is doing what works for you. You'll feel happier, you'll be more energized and you'll see better results because you're really good at it, right? Even if you don't even recognize you're good at it, often I'll find people think, this is just the way everyone is. Everyone's so strategic. You know, it's not a surprise to hear you talk about balcony level leadership about because really, you know, I know strategic is in your top five strengths. We talked about that before. And that is about yeah. pulling up to the 20,000. Actually, number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so for you, it's like probably like breathing, right? It's like, let me pull up yeah. the landscape here. Where am I going? What am I doing? Right. Yeah. And, and that doesn't, it, it comes so naturally to you. And that's something that other people have to work on a little bit more, right? I used to have, and, so, yeah. and then speaking to your point about deficits. So then, you know, I used to do strength finders for myself, and then we do it with the leadership team and the whole team. We'd have a little grid that we'd look at. And when I was facing a change or a decision, I would go down my list and I'd be like, well, Tracy is strategic. Tracy, come in here and let me run this idea by you. What do you see that I don't? Because I know you're going to see different things because you bring strategic to the mix just naturally in how you see the world. And, and it would be very hard for me to figure that out. So instead, I'm going to use my number one strength, which is activator, which is about go, 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 get things started, keep it moving. And I'll pull you into a meeting. I'll get this moving. I'll get this going. I'll bring that contagious enthusiasm and I'll be able to use your strengths to help balance it so that we don't, you know, start implementing a plan that has some obvious holes or whatever the case might be. It's such a super powerful tool to be able to to sit down with your with your leadership team and know where each person's strengths really lie. You know, so often... I think when, when we think about leadership teams, it's like there's a job description, you know, a, a simple example, you know, as, as a school principal, um, you know, yes, I was the principal, but then I had an assistant principal who was in charge of curriculum instruction, special programs. I had an assistant principal who was in charge of discipline and attendance, and I had an assistant principal who was in charge of athletics, activities, and operations. So mm-hmm. what fits in their job descriptions aren't aren't the things you find when you do the strength finder, what you find mm-hmm. in strength finder is what is Tom really good at? What is Annie really good at? And mm-hmm. exactly how you described it, Beth, I'm, we're working on a project or something like that. You know what? In this particular space, you know, Tom is the one who brings the absolute best strength to the table. Let's, you know, give him the opportunity to lead or at least take that portion or get his perspective so that, mm-hmm. you know, as a collective group, it, it's not sitting on one person's shoulders simply because it's in their job description. Uh, I just, I, I think it's so, I think it's huge, right? I mean, and, and the whole idea of working to your strengths, I mean, I was an athletic coach for a long time. The last thing I would ever do with a basketball team is have them take the floor and let's run things they're not good at. Why would we do that, right? You know, I know what we're really good at, and we're going to try to do that. You know, if the other team, their job is to try and take that away from us. But if we know what we're good at, why wouldn't we lean into that? But so many leaders don't do that, do they? No, I mean, I think it goes in some ways to this human piece that, you know, people are conscious of their own gaps, and they want to make up for it, and they feel like everyone can see them and what's happening. When really it's about how do you, I think to your point, like, look, we're a team. 
we have shared goals and we should be able to, you know, just like, you know, I think about, uh, you know, uh, people who are married, right? It's unusual that everybody will cook and everyone will clean. They divide it. When someone cooks, someone cleans, right? <laughs> someone does breakfast, someone does yeah. dinner. However you personally have it work for you, it's the same thing with your leadership team at a school. Hey, you know, I just worked with a school team and one of the people really was somebody who she had relationship building strengths and relationship building strengths need a lot of one-on-one interaction. And because of her position, they would often have her at the assembly or at whatever, greet everyone. And and she hated it because that's really in the influencing domain. An influencer loves that, loves the stage, loves to get up there and and, and communicate to groups, relationship building strengths like the one-on-one. And so it was like such an aha moment in this leadership team meeting where they were like, oh, let's switch roles. Our job titles might say who's on the stage and who's greeting parents at the door. But because of what we enjoy, we're going to switch. And when I went back to them afterwards and said, how did it go? Guess what? They left with more energy. They were more excited. They couldn't wait for the next one, right? And so it is also about how do we spend our days doing things that we are really good at and that make us feel really good because that's going to make us able to do our jobs for longer, right? Which is a good thing for kids everywhere. Absolutely. Well, I think another thing too, um, I'll I'll try and take this, you know, tangentially into uh, another topic I know we want to get into. So I think sometimes when when we really think deeply about our strengths and we think about the skills that are necessary in order to be a successful school or district level leader, one of the things that gets overlooked is managing adult behaviors. And sometimes it's it's the it's the crazy behaviors that, that you see from adults, but but it's not always that. It's sometimes it's again, it's back to influencing, it's it's you know, helping people see and believe in a vision and uh, believe in, you know, mm-hmm. kind of this, this potential, you know, positive change, you know, for, for down the road. When you're working with leaders, what are some things that you kind of coach them to, to manage and work with adult behavior? Mm-hmm. So usually we start when I work with clients talking about kind of what brought them to me, right? And um, sometimes it will be about a general pervasive sense of some cultural issues in their building. People aren't really responding to feedback well, for example, or um, I've got a vocal contingent of people who think I am not qualified to do my job, right? Like you name the problem. And then we'll go through initially kind of a diagnosis phase. Uh, Sometimes I'll do surveys, sometimes I do one-on-one interviews, sometimes we just continue to talk and gather information. Sometimes I'll even do a site visit um, and kind of be like, well, what's, I wanna know like what's really going on because a lot of times people think it's an issue with their entire school. And really, if we want to make the most impact, we can kind of boil it down to a few key players and work on clear roles and responsibilities, working towards goals, decision-making rights, where folks are at. So we do those things to kind of say, you know, look, maybe you thought it was a culture issue, but actually there are some issues with how your team is functioning. Let's make your team more functional and then we'll be able to fix your culture. Sometimes you're like, kick the tires and the team's working great and everything really is firing all cylinders. And it really is about, um, you know, it has become acceptable. And this is happening so much to schools, I think, after coming back to in-person after the pandemic, kind of different behaviors, different, you know, things are happening. And people are like, wait, I feel like before I would have been able to nip this in the bud, but now I don't really know how because of where talent turnover is across the sector and how do I handle this? But I know that people are you know, we've become a very complainy culture and I don't want a complainy culture, right? And so I'll work with them on what is your vision? 
What are people doing? What does it look and sound and feel like? Um, and we'll get really clear on that for the leader if, if we're dealing with kind of an issue across culture. And then what we'll do, and you know, this is counterintuitive, is that you know, we'll start small. You know, I think sometimes there's like, we have to do these big plans and these big ideas and it's got to really make a splash. And there can be a role for that. But what I find is that to shift culture, when you start with really small actions, it can actually make a huge difference. And so, for example, I worked with one client, right, who runs an alternative high school. And, you know, she kept saying how it just seemed like, you know, nobody was happy to be there. And then, of course, kids didn't feel happy to be there. And so she started kind of silly challenge about smiling every time you saw someone in the hallway. And we structured it and I helped her set it up and we did this. And it was like, let's do this for a week, right? Let's do a challenge for the week and who can get these things. And the vibe massively shifted with that small action, right? I'm not asking people to take a six hour PD. You don't have to read this book. It's like, if you see someone in the hallway, can you just smile at them? And, you know, that gave us a building block to then go to the next part of the plan. And so I think that a lot of times with leaders, it feels like we have to do these huge plans. We have to figure this out when really, once we get clear on what we want, we can distill a few key actions that we can then lead others towards and then start to build some momentum, get some quick wins, and then start to say, well, now that I have a building where everyone, you know, smiles at each other and is human, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, now let's start to think about how we can dig into our next big priority. Absolutely. Now, I think that's that's a real big piece right there, uh, that just simply starting with one simple action, whether it's smiling or saying hi to people in the hallway or whatever, can really make a big difference. And just as individual leaders, there's so much you want to be able to control, but the truth is you really can only control yourself. So getting that clarity, I love how you talk about clarity. That's one of my big pieces too, is clarity and then be intentional about those things you're clear about. When you can Uh do that, man, it's amazing. And, you know, again, when it comes down to what what you can control, it's really just you. So you show up, put a smile mm-hmm. on your face, all by by itself. That starts to begin begin a good movement. There's a ripple right there. effect from that. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah. there is. Yeah. So so let's do this, Beth. Let's go ahead and and jump into. We we could talk about this all day, um, but let's mm-hmm. let's jump to uh, the final question here on the podcast that I ask everybody uh, that that joins me here on leaning into leadership. What is it right now, Beth, that you're doing to lean into leadership? Yeah. So, I mean, two things really come to mind. One is that I'm a voracious reader. And so I continue to uh, read all the time. (laughs) And I I will sometimes uh, find myself using my strengths training and guessing which strengths the characters would have if, you know, they were real. Um, So I do that. And then the other thing I'm really excited about, you know, when I worked in schools, I mostly worked in schools um, where I, as a white woman, was in the minority uh, compared to the student population and the family population. And so I did a lot of work on my own identity, both in terms of gender and race, by virtue of being in schools. And now that I work you know, largely with myself or over Zoom one-on-one with clients, um, there's less so. So I just joined a professional learning community that's specifically about white women kind of deconstructing their identity and thinking about how it impacts their way of seeing the world. And that's been really it's great to be back in a PLC, right? It's been a long time yeah. since I've been able to participate in a PLC. And that feels like a really great way to develop and continue to grow as a leader. I love that. You know, I think so many people would would associate PLC only in, you know, the language arts department or the math department or, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. And to hear you say that, uh, so, so I'm part of a, I guess we'll call it a PLC as well, of educator entrepreneurs. You know, and, and we get together mm. for a little over an hour 
once a week and be able to learn from each other. And really that's, that's what a PLC is really all about. I love, I love that you went there with that. That's, that's extremely yeah. cool. Um, man, so much good stuff. Um, how is it that when people want to get in touch with you, cause they will, how do they get in touch with you and reach out and have some, have their own conversation with Beth? Yeah. So a couple things. One is that um, I actually have just developed a quiz for leaders to help them determine what they most need in their leadership, either for themselves individually or their team. And that's at leadership-quiz.com. So if you go there, you can take my quiz, see what you need, um, and that'll help get you on my email list and stay in touch in that way. I also have a bunch of information on my website, bethnapleton.com, and on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So I'm always trying some new things, some new videos, but I love hearing from leaders. I love um, thinking about you know folks who might be interested in coaching or coach consulting or professional development or whatever it might be because, I mean, you know, the job in the leader's chair is so important and it can be yeah. so lonely and so isolating. And you know, I think that's part of the joy of our work is that we can help make it a little bit less so and help people see that balcony view and be more impactful. Yeah. Absolutely. Now that's fantastic. I will make sure, folks, that all of that stuff is linked in the show notes for you. Uh, so you, if, if you didn't quite catch that website, no worries. It's in the show notes for you. Um, I'll also make sure and drop a link to the Clifton Strengths Finder book so you can go check that out. Mm. Go do your strengths and let us know you know, let us know what your strengths are because yeah. it's huge. It really is. I've taken it uh, at least three times. I have two of my results here in front of me. I, I know I have another one. I'm not sure where it is. I've probably got <laughs> 10 copies of this book laying around the house. Um, but uh, we'll make sure all that stuff's in the show notes for you folks. Beth, thank you so much for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Wow. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, folks, I told you that was an awesome conversation with Beth Napleton. Uh, make sure you're checking out all of her awesome stuff. I did link the leadership quiz right there in the show notes for you, along with the Clifton Strengths Finder. So get in there and check all that stuff out. And again, thank you, Beth, for coming on the show. And now it's time for a pep talk. So about a week ago, I released a blog post titled Welcoming New Staff, Three Quick Tips for Leaders. And Oh my goodness. Folks, the response has just been overwhelming. People really love the three tips that I've shared, but they've also shared some of their own tips, which is exactly what I was hoping for. You know, so many of you are brand new leaders this fall, or maybe you're in a new role, or if nothing else, you have new people joining your team. I highly doubt anybody has every single person back from last year. So nonetheless, you've got to be ready to welcome your new staff. So let me just reiterate this because these three things, holy cow, it really, really kickstarted a great conversation. So here you go. This is what I would suggest along with probably a hundred others, but here you go. Number one, do some social media introductions with your staff. You know, get their faces out there in front of others. It's an opportunity for them to then follow back or or friend or connect with whatever, whatever term or phrase uh, it is for the different social media platforms, but it gives them an opportunity to get connected with other people in the space, whether that's other educators or people in your community. So use that social media platform. So many people are going to see it and it's going to give them an opportunity when they see those faces in the grocery store, when they see those faces out and about that they can just say, hey, hi, welcome. We'd love to see you here in our community. Number two, hold a new staff academy. You know, do some things where everybody gets an opportunity to do a little bit of work 
and kind of get caught up and brought up to speed on all the things that you expect so that when everybody else comes, your, you know, your returning staff, maybe a week later, they have already heard this. And so it's not the first time through. You know, think about it, man. When you're a brand new teacher and, and you're starting a brand new job, it is like drinking from the fire hose. So give them that information when it's just them and the other brand new to you folks. They can ask questions. They don't have to feel like, ah, oh, I can't ask this question. I don't want to look stupid. They're in a room full of people who are all brand new, right? So do that new staff academy. Allow them to get caught up on some things, kind of get a good, comfortable feel, because then when it's everybody's back, they're not going to feel overwhelmed. And number three, and this is the one that, holy moly, everybody just kept hitting me on this one. We had this crazy idea one year. You know what? How about we just give all of our new staff a $100 open purchase order to one of our um different office supply stores. You know, go go get what you need. Yes, we have a lot of that stuff. But you know what? Maybe there's something special that you really want. Well, go get it. You know, here's a $100 purchase order. You go down to the local, uh, you know, office supply store, get the things you really feel like you want for your classroom. It really isn't a big deal. It doesn't cost you much. I mean, you're just taking that out of your budget. So plan ahead for it. And you know what? It makes them feel special, makes them feel like, wow, I really have a special place here. Because, folks, those initial days, those are what really matter. That's when you're starting to build those early relationships and letting people know, hey, in our school, you are going to feel seen and heard and valued and trusted. Hey, it makes a big difference, folks. So go check out the blog post. Go look at all the comments that people made on all the different social media platforms. And just get out there and have a road to awesome day. Thanks for joining me this week on Leaning Into Leadership. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.